I remember writing emails to my friends at home saying, I just had an exorcism. People would come to the center, at least in Peru, and they would have a whole, a whole, all sorts of stuff that they were dealing with. People had felt like they'd been abducted by aliens or people felt like they were aliens and they were trying to figure out how to be in this planet. We had someone who was, it, I mean, it was, it's, it's, it's fascinating, the, the, the vision, the sense perception that some of these guys have. I was sitting next to, next to one of the lead shamans, and he, he looks at me, and he says, hey, can you go and sage that person over there? You know, and, and I started doing it, and the person just started to kind of, like, erupt. We, we, had, a, we had a bigger helper who was actually a wrestler and was actually equipped for this sort of situation, but I was sitting with, with, this, with this guy... And he, he, he just started to go in and out of kind of shapes, really started shape-shifting. What would, what would kind of, or what I perceived as kind of being a typical sort of demonic kind of, kind of spirit, basically bending and contorting and, and doing all this stuff that didn't quite seem physical. He basically hopped up and started kind of moving around the room, started taking his clothes off, and eventually was kind of, kind of restrained for a little while. But... One of, the, one of the lead shamans, he was drumming and 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 drumming to the point where, you know, the thoughts in my mind were like, hey man, this guy's going like, to totally lose it sort of thing, you know? This dude's voice started to change and things started to happen and, and basically just kind of saw it, saw the, saw the shaman basically, you know, kind of energetically um, pull this sort of spirit out and off of him. How do I communicate all the weird and funky stuff that I saw and did in Peru into, you know, this world, it's the same world, but like into, into a more modern American society. I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Euphemet, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. On this edition, ancient shamanic traditions of well-being and war. Julian DeVoe with Spirit next on Euphemet. Today, walking along the banks of the Delaware River, somewhere in New Jersey, with truth seeker Julian DeVoe. He's both present, engaged, and quick to smile as much as he is somewhere else. Stories of his time in the Peruvian Andes flow as if from another lifetime as if from a more divine source. A yogi, a guide through shamanic plant medicine experiences, I feel Julian both here and there, bridging the gap between us and the shadow world of self, and perhaps those from another realm. When you were younger, could you have imagined you doing this work? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> no way, no way. I was a regular dude, you know. I was grew up playing playing little league and soccer, and was into was into was into sports, was into academics, was into doing puzzles and being scared of girls. And but I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't in a space of being trained to do anything. You know, I had some I had some synchronicity moments in college where I'd think of someone and then they'd show up 
or you think of someone they call or that sort of thing right and reflecting back you know I, I was also it was also experimental in college where there, you know there were there were, there was more in the way of psychedelics going on you know, mushrooms that sort of stuff and and um, but, you know I was just out having fun you know it wasn't like it wasn't like hey guys let's go have some mushrooms and and contemplate the nature of our existence it was like let's go have some mushrooms because like the older kids do it but no to answer your question no I, I never thought I would be doing this I was always I, I thought I thought I would be either in some form of education or some form of business so but but you know working with shamans or or you know seeing spirits or anything that sort of thing no no way no way <laughs> It's these spirits and shamans from plant medicine ceremonies deep in the Amazon that I sense all around us. But how did all of this start? Where did all of this begin for Julian? I mean, you know, the, 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 I think the biggest thing that, that, that I had going for me ever since I was younger, as long as I can remember, is a sense of open-minded skepticism. So I was open-minded enough where I wouldn't rule anything out. I was working on a medical mission in Morocco, um, part of the Operation Smile group, and they do cleft lip, cleft palate surgery on kids. This was my fourth mission or fifth mission I'd been on, so so I kind of knew the lay of the land for the most part. And this mission was different because there were two craniosacral therapists that, that showed up. Craniosacral therapy being a hands-on healing modality that focuses on a mysterious wave-like rhythmic pulse that flows through the body. And I'm kind of like, what are you guys doing here? What's your role? Their, their thing was to work on the plastic surgeons in order to get them to write in medical journals about the efficacy of craniosacral therapy, how it was like a legit form of healing. And they couldn't think of anything more Western than plastics, essentially, right? So I started watching these craniosacral therapists work on some of the some of the doctors. And like the doctors would have surgery, and these doctors would do five or six surgeries a day. So they'd have surgery and then go right to the, the craniosacral therapists. And they and the craniosacral therapists would put their hands on their head or like over their eyes and seemingly not do anything. And then these guys would have these experiences and they kept on going back. And then eventually I saw one of the doctors like standing off on the corner, kind of like crying. And I'm like, okay. And, and they're intense moments in these, in, in these missions. Cause you see a lot of poor kids. You see a lot of people that need stuff. Basically like anyone that's been a shut in because of their medical issue as a child is is brought out and it could be anything you know more than just cleft lip cleft palate stuff so i thought this guy was just kind of having this doctor i saw crying i think he was just having like an emotional experience in regards to a kid he worked on or something you know whatever so i started i befriended uh the 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 student it was a teacher and her stu and his student and I started talking with her and just kind of kind of busting her balls. You know what I mean? Like, like what's this like voodoo stuff you guys are doing, you know? And, and she would joke back, so it was really good. And, but I was open to it. And I said, okay. She said, you know, uh, you know, what's your history? And I told her, I shared a lot of the head injuries I'd had. And she said, you know, you should probably get a session with, with Dr. Dr. Nagy, who was, who was the doctor. And Dr. Nagy, he had done, he was a general surgeon for 40 years. And now he's craniosacral therapist. He was probably in his 70s at the time. So I'm like, okay, this guy kind of knows what's up and uh, let me let me get a session with him, right? So it was the second session I had with him and he walks into the room 
and and this is people don't believe this part. It's hard for them to believe the second part, but this part they definitely don't believe. And he looks at me and he's like, "When were you in South America?" And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Did you live in South America?" I said, "Yeah, I lived in Brazil for you know almost eight months." And he said, "He said, he said, God, I think you have meningitis." He said, "Did you get sick when you were there?" And I said, "Yeah, I got, I got really." violently ill one time and it lasted like a week and he's like yeah you, he's like you have meningitis and this was years prior right and i guess there's different types of meningitis or whatever but you know you tell anybody that and they're like yeah right like how is this guy going to be able to detect that you have it just by looking at you sort of thing let alone like that's something people die from sort of thing like you're going untreated for years and years but i guess there's different forms and some are benign or i don't know whatever not benign, but not lethal, essentially. So anyway, that's the first part of the story that like people don't understand. But that's when that there there was partly this like aura or this mystery around Nagy, where Karen, his student, would tell me that like Nagy's like one of these guys that's been around for thousands of years. He's just kind of one of these like traveling healer sort of people. So I'm playing into the story a little bit. The voodoo doctor comes in, he gives me this weird sort of reading, you know, whatever. And and then he puts his hands on my head for about 15, 20 minutes. And he leaves, leaves the room. And I'm kind of thinking like, like, dude, you've been working on me for like 10 minutes. Like, what, you know, you to take a break, <laughs> whatever. And while he's gone, I start into this like kind of tantric style breathing or what I thought was tantric at the time, but it was kind of this like musky sort of opening. It was, it was auditory and, you know, this kind of really weird sort of breath work going on. And then I quiet down. He comes back in the room. He does just a little bit more, probably about 10 more minutes. And he looks at me and says, okay, just allow the energy or anything you feel in your body to flow through. So I say, okay, cool, man. You know, thanks. And he's talking with Karen. And I can hear him saying stuff. Oh, I worked on this. I worked on that. Da, da, da. And while he's doing that, my, my body starts shaking. Like gen- gentle tremors, whatever. Start shaking, start shaking, start shaking. He leaves again. And I think this is how he knew. He knew that he needed to kind of leave in order to allow my experience to happen. So what happened over the next 45 minutes was I went from mild shaking to full on like arms flapping, back arching, crying, 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 yelling, screaming, profusely sweating. And that lasted for about 45 minutes to the point where there were three or four nurses in the room that actually were holding me down so I didn't flap off the, the, the bed. And then eventually, one of the nurses said, do you think we should go and get Dr. Dr. Nagy? <laughs> you know, his student's like, yeah, I think we should do that. And just as they see that, he walks back in the room, just what I imagine, just very calm, takes my arms, kind of like holds them like that. And then it was like 10 seconds and it was gone. And I sit up and this is when I realized I had been sweating. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck just happened? Because I was not expecting that. The dude barely put his hands on my head, and all of a sudden, I'm I'm fishing out for 45 minutes, <laughs> you know. And that's when things like things things shifted, big time. Because I was I was I was exhausted after, and I was talking to Karen. I'm like, what was going on? She's like, that's called a somato emotional release. You know, they have all these great terms, right? Somato emotional release sort of thing, right? And and I was like, is that normal? And she was like, well, somato emotional releases are normal, but that was a particularly large somato-emotional release. That, that, that was the biggest that she had, you know, seen or something at the time. I don't know, whatever. It's not about that. So then, so then started talking with her more and became really curious and was just like, da, da, da. And then I woke up the next day, felt like an entirely new person. 
And I felt like I felt like 25 years of emotional stress had been lifted from my body. I felt like a lot of the emotions that I was carrying were, were dissipated or I just felt lighter and a lot lighter, significantly lighter. And that's when I that's when I started in with craniosacral therapy because I started really I was really fascinated by what he did. And I started asking Karen, you gotta show me some of this stuff. And she showed me the basics probably in like an hour, hour and a half. And then after the session, because I was working on her, after the session, she said, listen, you have, you have, you have good touch. You're natu- you have a natural like intuition for this stuff. Go home and start practicing. I said, okay. So that's when I started practicing on people, like my mother and my friends, you know, my super willing friends. And sure enough, like some of them would cry, their headaches would go away. They'd have, they'd have you know, they'd, 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 oh, they'd open, their bodies would relax. They just generally feel better. And then I started training. Uh, taking like official courses and, and, and then that's eventually when I met this this spirit lady and she actually came up to me and and started asking me these questions like like do you believe in God and do you believe in spirits and do you think people are looking out for you and I'm like and she just started to go weird like real fast right and I'm just like okay this this lady's like crazy and then she starts, she starts telling me all the stuff she does, like removing entities and talking about spirit guides and et cetera, et cetera, like opening the Ajna knot, removing core fear, turning on your light body. And I'm just like, okay, she's going to like, she wants to sell me something, right? So she said, I'll give you all this work for free. And I said, ah, fuck it, why not? <laughs> she believes it. You know, she could be out of her mind, but it sounds cool. Like, why not? You know, when am I going to have an experience like this? Someone's going to take demons out of my body? Great. So we have the experience and I was lying down. She wasn't touching me and my body was, was shaking and was responding to the energy, right? So I couldn't, I didn't really, I didn't see anything going on there, but I couldn't really make sense of anything. Couldn't really make sense of that experience. I know that I felt better and that things were different. So I started to kind of seek answers. And one of my clients, a, a guy that I really trusted, you know, has become a friend. And I started telling him about this experience and his response to me was, oh, I absolutely believe in that stuff. My, I, my father is one of my guardian spirits, guardian angels. What happened was I said, okay, well, if this guy buys it, and this guy's like really credible, you know, he's, he's very much in the world, he's very successful, he's wealthy and, you know, educated. So, so I said, okay, well, let's, let's check this out. Let's see what happens. So I start start in with with the craniosacral, just normal, and basically said, okay, well, if you know, Dad, if if you're guardian angel and you're here to help, well, come and help. And basically, about I don't know, 15 feet away, there was a, a doorway into a into a closet. Now my eyes were closed. I was doing the work. I had you know very light touch on them, and I saw a figure there. And I'd look over, and sure enough, the figure was there. I opened my eyes, couldn't see anything. Closed my eyes, could see it clear as, clear as day. I saw this figure. So now I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of weird, but you know, whatever, I'm going with it. Like maybe I'm just making stuff up. And then I said, okay, well, if you're here to help, then come and help. So this, this spirit all of a sudden appeared right on the other side of the massage table. And I'm like, okay. 
like things are getting weird, right? Like things are getting really weird. Like I'm, I might be losing my mind or a little bit. I'm starting to see ghosts and spirits. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go with it. Somehow it was in this sort of funky, trancey sort of space. Looking back on it, I can say that's what it was. I mean, it was totally sober. But so then I said, okay, well, if you're here to help, then help. And there was a bit more of a prayer involved, as long as you're here for his highest good and, you know, greatest joy, et cetera, et cetera. I kind of created a little bit of a container for this spirit to work in. And sure enough, I'd, I'd watch the spirit put his hands on my client. And when that happened, my client would have these releases, these physical responses to this ghost, essentially. I didn't tell him afterwards. I was really kind of spooked because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm going crazy or I'm losing my mind or these are flashbacks or something weird is happening, but I couldn't quite tell, you know, what it was. So then, then I was like, all right, well, I you know, go to sleep. You wake up the next day. Oh, okay. That was kind of weird, you know, whatever. And then had other clients happening. And then I was like, let's, let's see if this works. Let's see if it wasn't like it. And then sure enough, started to see more spirits, relatives and animals and what could be conceived as angels or other sort of alien type or beastly sort of things. Um, oh, that all seemed relatively friendly. You know, this is just like reading a deck of tarot, but it's like coming to life and it's, it's all love and light at this point. Right. And I kept it in. I wasn't really, it was hard for me to really share this stuff with people just because like, you know, you tell your parents that like you're seeing ghosts or spirits and then like, what are they going to do? You know, you start investigating that and all of a sudden they, you know, they could lock you up or medicate you or, and I was functioning in the world. Like it was totally, it was totally normal. And then I was working on someone probably about eight months after all this sort of stuff happened. And I called in the same sort of energy. And then all of a sudden, things weren't good. Things weren't angelic. Things weren't love and light. There was like a lot of darkness. And there was a lot of... And, and I say that in, the, in, the, in a superlative kind of way, in a way that we can understand, right? Um, not that darkness is bad, but that's another conversation. But it was like, okay, this is unfriendly. This is different than what I've been experiencing. And that's when I got really spooked and really freaked out. So I'm like, okay, I'm out of bounds. I'm out of territory. Because what I'm seeing now doesn't seem like it wants me doing what I'm doing. Because I don't really know what I'm doing. And it, it's not here to help this situation. It's, it's, and, and things got weird. It was like, it was like, like out of a movie, like, you know, great clouds rolled in. Things started kind of banging against the side of the house, like, like legit stuff where it's like, okay, this is strange. This is really strange. There's a lot of coincidence going on now, just like before. Right. After that session, I stopped not practicing, but stopped like invoking spirits, if you will. And I was like, okay, I need to go and check in with someone about this. And that's when I started to investigate and was and was brought to ayahuasca in many ways. People started sending me articles just randomly, randomly, quote unquote randomly, right? They just would send me stuff or I'd meet a Peruvian person or I'd meet someone that just got back from the Amazon or I'd, and then eventually I got to the point where I was sitting with a friend at a coffee shop and I was telling him, I was like, hey, have you heard of this ayahuasca stuff? I'm thinking about going down. And he's like, oh, my boss just went. Like he said he had a great time. You'll love it. And he's like, I'll put you in touch with him. I'll give you his email. And I said, great, thanks, man. His boss walks in comes right over and sits down with us and it's like okay this was the last sort of check 
in the spirit box that I needed. And I was checking out these places. He directed me to one. He said, go there. So I went. And then I went down and it was, and was you know, the first conversation with, with the shamans. And they're like, they're kind of like, they didn't say it, but they kind of looked at me like, like, so you see spirits? Like, so what? That's like what we do down here. You know, like, that's our world. My first ceremony was the night of my 27th birthday. And it was a full moon and a lunar eclipse. And it was just like, you know, I was all like wowed out. I didn't even realize it until I got there. I knew it was on my birthday. I didn't realize it until I got there, the full moon lunar eclipse. And I was talking with one of the shaman and I was like, it's full moon and lunar eclipse tonight. And he's like, do you know what that means in shamanism? And I was like, what does it mean? And he's like, it means it's a full moon and a lunar eclipse. Like basically like it can mean anything you want it to mean. And it could just be as simple as that, you know, like whatever story you want to graft on it. Those the the first I had five ceremonies and it was really probably the one or two that totally shifted everything. I mean my lifestyle changed. I I stopped I stopped drinking recreationally. A couple beers here and there, didn't think it was an issue, but then like going walking into a bar when I got back was just like, whoa, there's so much spirit energy going on here. This is like a soup that's crazy. My diet shifted, did a whole bunch of cleanses. So that was really a big jump start into into more of a more of a practical spirituality life. Because like, how do you take those experiences when things are you're seeing snakes and spirits and angels and demons and you're seeing all this crazy stuff, and then apply it to the world? And it's like, okay, my body is my temple. Let me go back to the practical stuff. Let me figure out. Let me investigate my diet. Actually, I'd just been being fed since I was, you know, as long as I can remember. And then I just kind of like, I don't know, would eat whatever. And then it's like, okay, wait, let me actually see, like, how does the body work? A a lot of yoga practice, a lot of shamanic practice, a lot of these different types of techniques and things, they're purification models. And what I mean by that is cleansing, right? And you hear a lot about that in many places that you go. Um, But the thing is, is that's that's also not the objective because then that can turn into something else and that can sideswipe the process, right? So, So what I mean by that is try not to get consumed by purification and like okay if i can just throw up one more time then that last itty bitty demon is going to come out sort of thing you know what i mean it's not it's not necessarily about that it's it's uh it's something that you clear out kind of what's not yours or what's stuck or the things that are having hold over you or possessing you or twisting your mind or heart into a into a trajectory or a reality that you don't want so have you had an experience before where uh, someone you, you have known has been like sort of obsessed with that purification process and, and maybe gone a little too hard on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I was at some, at, for, I was for a little while just saying like, all right, I just gotta keep getting this out, keep getting this out, keep getting this out, or like super obsessed with health, with health food or that sort of thing. Um, and there's actually, there's a term for that, it's orthorexia, where if you become you become overconsumed by eating healthy or doing like the right things for your body all the time that it actually turns into a disease it actually turns into like a like a like a sickness um and yeah i think i think a lot of people 
Well, it's hard to say because I'm not a lot of people. It's, it's, I can speak from my perspective, but I think that what I saw in my practice and what I've seen in the yoga practice, for example, is, is looking toward what do I keep needing to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to fix? What do I need to change? How can I get stronger? How can I get better? How can I do this? As opposed to missing, losing sight of doing it for the sake of doing it. We were in ceremony and then uh, what, what had happened was one of the shamans kind of kind of tangled me up in something. And I thought it was like a trap. I thought they were like messing with me and like like training or something, right? It turned out to be something else. But, but, but nevertheless, they put me in this thing. So I kind of like was like, okay, I'm getting out of here. You know what I mean? I'm getting out of here. So I, I, I like slipped out of this sort of energetic sort of container and then popped out into the into the into the space and was like oh shit there's a lot of stuff going on in here like this is like this is nasty like people's stuff there was like huge like purging there's stuff going around there's there's spirits flying around the space there's entities all over and I'm like holy shit like what did I get into and now it was like okay I don't know what to do but I guess I gotta like do something now I need to like kind of protect myself was one of the thoughts and then sure enough after the ceremony I'm talking with one of the shamans and I was like were you guys like training me or something you guys like put some like put me in like a net or something like that and one of the shamans was like yeah we tried to bubble you up so you would be protected from the mess that was going on whereas I received it as like this like oh let me get out of here let me like this is like a challenge sort of thing so it's interesting to see how like like it actually happened, but the intention was different. Or there was a part of me that was just being rebellious and didn't want to didn't want to play. Um, but but that was that was what happened. And I was like, yeah, I got out. And they're like, yeah, you got out. And then it was like, okay, you, now you're here. Now you got to figure it out, sort of thing. So you have these kind of experiences over and over, and it's it, it's it's hard to really it's it, it's hard to really articulate without sounding crazy <laughs> or like or, or you know some people believing it and I, I see you're nodding which is great so it like gives me like confirmation that, that like that like I'm not a loony tune you know what I mean I was doing personal work and I dropped into the visionary space and I, I appeared with one of the shamans and one of the shamans was sitting there and above us we could see all of the swirling thoughts and everything was kind of moving around. All oh, this just kind of like started like, wow, that's a lot going on. And I remember looking at him and and his his message to me was, this is a very powerful place that you have to be careful with. Like you need to really hold this in respect because you're opening up sort of, you can access people's information. It's like getting into the hard drive of your spirit. You know what I mean? Like that's like, that's kind of a big thing you know it's not all good it's not all roses it's not all nice like they don't play fair in the jungle like there's 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 warfare so to speak you know one of the guys that we worked with was 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 out in was out in another country and was 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 working with a couple of people and he was cleaning them you know he was, he was like oh you know just just cleaning their stuff off well that was a stamp or a prong or a tentacle or whatever from another shaman and they remove that sort of energy that energetic prong that that shaman had out there was basically feeding 
that shaman power essentially from that person. So the other shaman has, has, has senses that one of these guys pulls off this thing that's that's basically dampening that person's energy. A week later, that guy's in a coma because he got attacked. And we knew he got attacked because his older brother saw it and was like, oh shit, this, this other shaman, oh shit, this is, there's something going on here. And the other shaman attacked it. You talk with this guy and he'll tell you he was in what's called Ukupacha, which is the underworld. He was there communing with spirits and talking with people. And then he saw his mother and he saw a couple other shamans coming in and being like, hey, you're not ready yet. So these other shamans need to go in. They pulled him out and they revived him. There's another story. There was a guy in the valley that used to work and, you know, had a pretty good reputation and, you know, was facilitating ceremonies. Shaman from the Amazon comes up and basically is just like, I'm here and I'm taking this territory. A couple months later, the guy's got cancer. And it's like, yeah, you could say it's a lifestyle. You could say it just happens. But going from like, from like full health into a coma in your 30s, from like with no explanation is kind of, you know, and these are things that like people might not believe. And these are things that like are also kind of creepy or scary or dark. You know, I've worked with some teachers where, where they'll say like every good shaman is 30% sorcerer. Like you can't just turn off that side. It's like if we were to walk around and say every company and every branch of government has our best interests in mind. So I'm just gonna buy whatever I want and trust everyone. There's no one trying to take advantage of me. Everyone has my best interest. You have to have that side of yourself that has your finger on the bullshit button or is a little bit skeptical or is a little bit cautious or has a healthy sense of fear, healthy relationship with fear or trusts their intuition to say, you know what, this isn't for me. This is a no. Maybe it's not all good. Maybe not all shamans have my best interests in mind. Maybe I really need to be cautious and be careful. Maybe it's not all love and light or it's not all roses, right? So, so therefore, in sh certain shamanic training, they'll, they'll, they'll teach you how to engage or, or how to defend because they say, hey, this is part of the world that we live in. And if you don't want to practice this or you don't want to train or you don't want to learn you're going to be vulnerable and you're going to be susceptible to attack and you and and you're possibly gonna gonna have major issues down the line kung fu right so so the, the, you know as the legend goes there are these monasteries these monks that just keep getting raided by by barbarians or raided by gangsters so to speak right and then the monks are just like, we're just peaceful dudes. Like, we just want to hang out and, you know, do what monks do, right? And so eventually, you know, the head monk was just like, all right, you go north, you go south, you go east, you go west. Learn the most badass shit you can learn. Come back, we'll spin it all together, and boom, you got kung fu. You can't necessarily just be chill without making yourself vulnerable to possible attack or, or possible danger. 
you can call in the energies and the spirits of, of whatever you're into. I used to work with Archangel Michael all the time it was because that my affiliation was this badass protector dude that carried a sword that could that could fuck shit up if I, if I was running into spirit trouble. I'd call in Archangel Michael, you know what I mean? And that's totally valid and valuable, right? And then if it was like, okay, if I'm going to meditate or I'm going to pray, like I might call in the Buddha or, or, um, or Lao Tzu or something like that to call in a space of calm, right? I think it's best you know, in my experience to, to, to call in the spirits that are around and that can help you in that moment. And I think it's important to have an anchor, like perhaps Archangel Michael or Gabriel or, or Jesus or, or the Buddha or whatever, to have those, you can kind of call on them. At least in my experience, they don't get offended if you don't call them in for something. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then I I think a lot of times that our ancestors have a lot of have a lot of value and a lot of wisdom. Well, one of my grandmothers passed away before I was born, so I, I try and communicate with her as much as I can. I, w- I was working with one of the shamans, and I was playing the singing. She was like, play the singing bowl, and she was working on someone, and then she started to kind of, she, she was in front of me, and then she moved behind me. And, and I, I kind of had this intuitive sense that I knew sort of what was going on, which was, which was that she was using me or the sound as, as protection because this person in front was, was purging. And, and that's sure enough what was happening. And I don't know how long I was playing the singing bowl, but longer than, than usually I would with, you know, without my arm kind of hurting. And then once that all stopped, she, she looked at me and she said, okay, thread the flute energy into that person so one of the other shamans started playing the flute and it was i was kind of like i stopped myself before saying like how do i do that because i had been asking these questions before and they never give you any answers like it's like how do you thread that and the answer would be you just thread it into their energy and it's like oh right yeah because that's because that's normal because i've done that before you know like oh right exactly so but, but yeah, it was cool because I'm like, okay, so just kind of calmed, breathe. Okay, thread the flute energy into this person's field. And then sure enough, a grid appeared on this person. And I was kind of doing hand motions. And then eventually I just kind of stopped. And it was just more like little finger actions. So like more with, more with my mind. It was like the physical didn't matter. And then sure enough, I, I would thread the energy in and then things would change. She comes over and she says, okay, now thread it into the entire room. Because I was experiencing this person's grid and then the grid of the entire room appeared and the same sort of thing happening. Started threading the flute, the other shaman played the flute, da, 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 da. At the end of it, I'm kind of like, I kind of like looked over at her and I was like, did I do it? Like, was that, like, did that happen? Like, I, I can see it, but I feel like maybe I'm just making that up. And she kind of like gave me like the thumbs up and like a big hug afterwards. You know, and it's, it's, it's part of the, it's part of the thing is that like, we, we don't, we all have blinders on to a certain degree. You know what I mean? That like, we, we can't always see our own shit and, and maybe there is a point and I'm sure there is, you can get to a point where you can totally just like be, you know, be like super shaman man or something or, or, or super spiritual guy or whatever, or gal. And you don't have to worry about stuff like that. But in the meantime, like you got friends. You know what I mean? Like, like find your allies. You know what I'm saying? Like, like make it easy. You know, you don't have to do it all yourself sort of thing. <laughs> like ask for help. <laughs> it's there. <laughs>
So all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is like totally, no this is totally normal. This is totally not like, I don't need to think I'm going crazy or kooky or whatever, but this is just, this is the reality. So now I've found people that I can have a conversation with that won't think I'm bonkers sort of thing, you know? So, um, so that was kind of the, that was kind of the start sort of. Thank you for listening to this edition of Euphemet. Thanks to CBS and Audio Boom for the support. For everything Euphemet, including how you can subscribe to the show, links to our Patreon and social media, visit euphemet.com. The companion short film for this episode will be released as a part of a very special series in the coming months. Stay tuned for that. For more from Julian, visit juliandevoe.com. Have you listened to my recent appearances on the Astonishing Legends podcast or Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett? I highly suggest you check out these fine shows, as they were super fun to be on and are great insight into the Euphemet process. This has been Euphemet. I'm Jim Perry, and until next time, keep looking up. <laughs>